Hello and welcome to Holistic Health Chats, a podcast where we chat about all things holistic women's health and everything in between. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, a women's health nutritionist with a focus on helping women to heal holistically and live pain and symptom free. I'm so happy that you've made your way here. Tune in every week so we can listen, learn and be inspired together. In this week's episode of Holistic Health Chats, I get to speak with the sleep expert, Shay Morrison from The Goodnight Co. Shay and I discuss the three categories that most people fall into when it comes to sleep issues, different action steps to address each of these categories, including your light exposure at nighttime, creating a bedroom environment that promotes a deep, restful sleep, And of course, the impact of things like caffeine, alcohol, and various medications. Many of my clients in clinic experience difficulties getting a good night's sleep. And so often I can attribute this at least in part, if not completely, to having a nighttime routine, which includes watching Netflix, doing chores, and scrolling on the gram. So if you fall into this category or if you do struggle with sleep, then do yourself a solid and tune in to this week's episode. Would you do me a favor? If you loved this episode and you find value in it, would you please reach out on Instagram and share your top takeaways with me? Hi, Shay, and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. It's a pleasure. So today we're talking all about sleep and the correlations with stress and anxiety. But before we get into the topic, I'd love if you could just introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what your business does and sort of how it helps people as well. Fabulous. So my name is Shay Morrison. I'm the co-founder of The Good Night Co. And at The Good Night Co, we are on a mission to help the world fall back in love with sleep. So we started around seven years ago and we started a journey alongside when Ariana Huffington launched her book, The Sleep Revolution. Uh, We were fortunate enough to be involved in her tour um, and then a pop-up in New York for six weeks during the Christmas season. And it really highlighted to us that I feel that that's when the world started to kind of take notice that it was no longer a badge of honour to, you know, get three hours sleep a night and power on through the yeah. day. And um, she certainly pull, pulled stops to that by by acknowledging how she used to do that and then she had a really bad accident and um, understood that she really needed to slow down and um, and that sleep was so important in our overall health and wellness. So um, it's been a, a, a seven-year journey to get to this point and, you know, really helping people to just understand how important sleep is and then prioritize it and try and do something about getting a really good night's sleep. Yeah, that's amazing. I so many of my clients struggle with sleep in a variety of different ways, which we'll get into today, whether that's not being able to fall asleep or waking up during the night. And it makes such a big difference to your overall health. Obviously, from a nutrition perspective, that impacts our blood sugar control. And then we have cravings later in the day, and it can really 
make it difficult, I guess, to get the most out of what you're wanting from each day. So I guess to get into the topic, I'd love if you could just share a bit about the overall, I guess, key health benefits of sleep for maybe, especially those people that maybe are of the still I'll sleep when I'm dead mentality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just also, I, I think, unfortunately, it's one of the topics that that ha- there isn't a lot of education about. You know, I, d- I don't also don't think there's a lot of education around nutrition and exercise either. And being the three key pillars of health, sleep, nutrition, um, diet, exercise, nutrition, sleep, you know, it is something that we all need to really take more control of. And it's a, it's something that we have to personally take control of because all of these things impact us so differently personally. And whilst I can talk about the broad strokes around what happens when we don't sleep so well and what how that impacts your body and your, your mental capacity, it is very personal. So, you know, if you are somebody who is struggling with sleep or, um, you know, with stress and anxiety, it's certainly something that you need to get some further advice from a health practitioner like yourself, Selene, around how to, you know, to really take take note of it and to try to make a difference. And I think that, you know, for people out there, we, we generally put it into three categories and we find that somebody normally falls into one of these categories or two or maybe all three. And that is that you're generally having trouble falling asleep at night. Um, you might be waking up and not being able to get back to sleep or you're waking up in the morning and just really not being able to start your day and feel like you can tackle that day with everything that you need to do. So, you know, if you if you find that you fall into one of these categories, then there are often things that can cause, and Selene, I'd love, you know, from a, mm-hmm. your background to, to also, you know, help to explain to the audience around this, but uh, from a nutrition side of things as well, is that if you're having trouble falling asleep, often this can be impacted by stress and anxiety, or it could be particularly around things that we've eaten potentially. So it could be diet related. It might be medicine that we're taking that's not agreeing with us. It might definitely be screen, you know, um, watching something on screens that is stimulating your brain and not being able to switch off or, or you know, not having good thoughts around getting to sleep. So it's very hard for us to just go, okay, I'm going to sleep now and and let and get that body just to fall asleep. It doesn't really happen like that. Um, you know, I, I go back to um, when my ch- children were babies and, you you know, the importance of having a routine was, was really critical, you know, around, you know, dinner, bath, bed, uh, reading books, putting on some calming music, rubbing some essential oils, um, reading a, a you know soft with soft sounds, and and it's really no different as adults. You know, if we think about it, we we really need to go through those steps. And I guess from a nutrition point of view, you you could add in some things there. Yeah, I mean, I I explain a similar thing to my clients, but I always frame it as because most of us, especially I have a mostly female demographic we can all resonate with probably how much time we put into our appearance and our getting ourselves ready in the morning, right? So we probably all have a morning routine, some of us more elaborate than others, but we do have a routine for the most part in the morning, particularly say Monday to Friday. And then I get them to sort of think about how their nighttime routine might look very different to that, or there might be a lack of routine around that. And I think that in itself is usually like a bit of an aha moment for people because they spend all day, especially I think, you know, working mothers as well, often spend all day working, they go, 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 
dinner with the kids, put the kids to bed, and then maybe they're like folding, washing or doing something like that, getting errands done. And then they're like lying in bed going, okay, it's time to sleep now, right? And that's just not how our body works. From a nutritional perspective, I think big things that will impact that would be eating too late at night um, and still your body's still trying to digest your food by the time you're going to bed, eating sweet things after dinner. So you're basically getting either a blood sugar high or a crash before you're going to sleep, or maybe you're getting a crash during the night and that's then causing you to wake up again, right? Other things I think, you know, I still have clients that have a coffee at three in the afternoon and think it doesn't impact their sleep. Or at seven o'clock at night. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I've had that before. And and then they say, but it doesn't affect me. And I'm like, look, humor me and just let's do a bit of a trial here. And then another thing I think which is huge would be alcohol consumption. I mean, even if it is really just one glass of wine, with dinner, I think often ignore how that impacts our sleep. And maybe we get to sleep okay with alcohol. And I'd Mm. love to hear your thoughts on that. But the quality of the sleep is definitely not the same. Absolutely. And and it's something that I try and explain to people is that if you are having alcohol and and look, I'm I'm a culprit, I I'm not a non-drinker. So I, I I can completely relate to it. The the trouble is, is that what happens really is that our body is so busy trying to break down and process that alcohol that it's not doing all the repair jobs that we need it to do um, that it would normally be focused on doing. And I know I wear an aura ring, um, so I track my my sleep and I'm a little bit obsessed. I should probably be a little less obsessed, but, you know, I am, I, I do find it really interesting. So when I do have alcohol, I can absolutely correlate a different sleep. I will never get a perfect sleep score or even a close to perfect sleep score because I definitely have more restfulness. I wake up more often. And even if you're not really knowing that you're waking up, you're in that very, very light sleep stage. So you're not in a deep restorative repair stage and you really just don't wake up feeling that, you know, absolutely you're a little bit cloudy and a little bit foggy that next morning. So it is about the balance of that and how you can integrate that. And again, it's very personal, but like you were saying, it would be an interesting thing to try not drinking alcohol for a period of time, whether that be a couple of days or a week and tracking how you feel. Because I think with all of this, it's definitely, you know, as I keep saying, it's so personalized. So you've got to really tune into your body and if you can take some notes in a little tracker, um, we have a sleep tracker that we, we you know, suggest to people to do, then um, try tracking that and noticing the difference of when you're not maybe drinking alcohol, not using your screen before bed, you know, dimming your lights. I'll talk about lights shortly, but um, doing, you know, practicing that routine and seeing what actually happens. Yeah, I'd love to know, obviously, with you tracking has there, have you seen say like, are you okay with one drink or is there a certain amount that where it starts to have an impact or does it happen with one? So for me, I can have a drink and it really not have a big impact on me. And and even sometimes like if it's just one drink, then I find that I do get that kind of, it helps me fall asleep really fast and I have a good night's sleep. Um, But I think more than that, and definitely wine is a bit of a killer. So wine is definitely on the bad list if we look at it and drinking more of those cleaner spirits with not with no sugar so looking at that vodka soda gin soda option with the low sugar because as you were saying as well it's that spike in sugar then later the body's processing the sugar and the mm-hmm. insulin and how that's reacting so really ch- being careful and mindful around the choice of alcohol that you you're, you're drinking as well yeah definitely well i'd love 
on the three different categories you sort of put people in, which was waking up and not feeling refreshed, waking up during the night or not being able to get to sleep or a combination of both, is there, say, certain, depending on how a person presents, is there certain things that you're looking at first, if that makes sense? Like, say, not being able to fall asleep, are you looking at nighttime routine first, stress and anxiety? Does that just depend on on how they're presenting? I think definitely there's some areas in there. So if you're um, having trouble falling asleep, then really um, looking at that wind down, what are you doing in that wind down um, stage? Like you you mentioned around eating too close to dinner, has the body had enough time to digest? Um, if you do need to take a later meal, which often can happen, you know, it's it, we're not we're not perfect. Then can you then walk around the block, you know, and take that have that breather and, and time for the body to digest a little bit more rather than just eating and falling straight asleep. If you are having to do that often, then can you eat a much lighter meal, something that the body doesn't need a lot of time to digest? Um, really looking at limiting the light stimulation. So when we look at light, all light is a little bit evil. So, you know, there's all this buzz about blue lights and red lights and all sorts of filtered lights and and they all play a role. But in general, light is what is is preventing the hormone melatonin from being released. So it's, it's really quite simple. So if you think about it, the um, pituitary gland that sits up in our, you know, near our third eye and our forehead, it, it is in control of that. So it's, how is that being able to be released because it makes us feel sleepy? That hormone is the sleep hormone that makes us feel sleepy that says it's time to go to bed and I'm tired. And if we are stimulating it through light, it's really hard for the body to be in tune with the fact that you actually really are tired. And so that people just push through and then they 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 miss their sleep train. So you can also get onto a sleep train because we, we sleep in waves. So, you know, depending on if you miss that, then that can really then you might need to wait another 40 minutes to an hour before you're feeling sleepy again. And if you're just stimulating that constantly with light, whether that be a light in your bedroom, in your kitchen, wherever, or the screen light from your devices or your TV, then that is going to play a big role in it as well. So really limiting light. And I say to people, you know, a really nice thing that that you can start doing is is when you get home in the evening, you've got your lights on, you've been in your car, you've been on public transport, you've been around lights all day, just really start to take notice of how what lights you can turn off. So really keeping that quite dim. And then after dinner, really dimming that down so that everybody in the house feels that shift and they go they they know that you know we're progressing into this stage of sleep and I think that it's a nice thing to practice you don't even need if you don't have um, dimmable switches you can get some really fabulous in in a Kmart there are these Arlec um, sensor lights that are four dollars and you can just plug them into the wall and they're really soft light that are censored so they're great if you've got children as well and you want to put those in your bathrooms or for night lights and things like that dimming the lights is really critical for this not being able to fall asleep stage as well and what about like using candles and that kind of thing do you i love candles yeah, yeah candles are because they're a much softer light mm-hmm. they're not these harsh fluoro lights or led lights that you know we've got blaring all through our houses now you know there's strip led lights everywhere i walk into people's faces children have got these fabulous led lights all over their bedroom and i'm like oh my gosh you need to get rid of all of those (laughs) they look great but they're not great for us so yes i think um candles are great but also be really careful with candles because 
I don't want you to fall asleep and still have a candle burning. So, you know, just, yeah, yeah. just being really careful with all of that as well. Um, but that that's sort of that stage of not being able to fall asleep. The other thing, um, another key one there is um, journaling. Journaling can be a great step to just, because one of those things, I think for a lot of people who are, tr- who are having trouble falling asleep, they've got their monkey brain racing mm. and they've just got so much going on that they can't sleep. So jotting down, you, you're not journaling as such, but you're just jotting down all of those things that are in your mind to release them so that you can fall asleep. And then I think, you know, moving into that next stage of waking up and not being able to get back to sleep, there's a, there's some sentiment across these two areas, but really that can also be if you have eaten um, a bigger, heavier meal later, if you have had maybe too much alcohol, or maybe you've got something going on with medication you know, you might be taking some medication that's not agreeing with you. And as you're detoxifying that through your system, then it's causing that that problem for you to wake up. Um, often people need to wake up to go to the bathroom. So when was, you know, ha- have you stopped drinking water or tea or coffee? As we said, you know, what, what are you drinking until you go to bed? And if you stop drinking earlier, so I still want you to be really hydrated, but could you stop drinking water or tea or whatnot before a certain time? And that might help you to make that difference. Again, it can also be related to um, stress and anxiety. And that might be that you're waking up with those thoughts that we talked about earlier, just, just now. And could you have a little notebook beside your bed again that you can just put those things in a notebook and to help you get rid of that to, to fall back asleep? So there's some different areas here that could be playing a part. And if you think that if you're there thinking, I have changed medication recently and, you know, you really need to start asking some questions of your doctor or your health practitioner um, around what, what role that could be playing as well. Yeah, I have a question on the waking up to go to the toilet in the night. Do yeah. you look much into whether there's any issues with mouth breathing for people and whether that can be causing? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, mouth breathing can be a really big, play a big, really big role in that. And one of the things that I would recommend here is that if you've got a partner, then if you can, you know, ask them one night to check to see if that is something that's going on or they might know because if you are mouth breathing, you might be snoring as well. Mm. So they might already know about that. And if you can't do that, then try and record it. So you could sound record it as well or try and video record it. And then you really need to probably go and get some um, advice from a holistic dentist. So there Mm. are some fabulous holistic dentists around. I see um, an excellent one in Brisbane and they can help you with the mouth breathing. And one of the suggestions, you you really need to get advice from a dentist and then probably maybe from an ENT as well. But there is mouth breathing tape that I use. I'm a mouth breather and it does make a really big difference. So once we start breathing back through our nose, it's helping to regulate um, and it helps to regulate our stress and anxiety better as well. Mm. Yeah. My partner used to always wake up at around 3am to go to the toilet. And recently we started reading about that and I never woke up to be honest. I'm a really deep sleeper, but he started using that micropore tape um, yeah. just from the chemist and he doesn't wake up anymore. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's so fabulous. Good. Yeah, definitely. It's- and you know, and I guess there can be further things around that as well because mm. you you might have a a partner that you know one of the other things that falls into this category of being of waking up is that you might have a partner that's waking you up because they're really restless and they might have they might even have sleep apnea or they might have some other 
you know, condition that's causing that if they've got restless leg syndrome and it's, you know, so there are some other, there are some other areas in all of this as well. And if that is part of what you are experiencing, then it might also be a time to experiment where you sleep for that period to work out what it is. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Identifying those variables, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then what about when you're going to sleep? Okay. Waking, not waking up during the night, but then waking up unrefreshed. That, that really means that you probably haven't cycled through all of the critical stages. We, we go through light, REM, deep sleep, and we generally cycle through for four to six, depending on, you know, how old you are and what, what's happening a night. And I guess this is where it's critical because also often a lot of your deep sleep, which is your restorative sleep, can happen before kind of more between that 10 and 2 a.m. mark. So if you're not going to bed until midnight or one o'clock in the morning, then you might find that you're missing a lot of that deep restorative sleep. And so you're constantly playing catch up and you're not getting the really restorative sleep that we need to cycle through because you might only be you know, you might be skimping on four or five hours sleep and it's not enough. Mm -hmm. So you're waking up constantly, not feeling refreshed and not just not feeling like you want to get out of bed. Um, And we all go through those phases. But I think that this is the stage as well is that it's this interesting one where we recommend really addressing your morning routine to help your nighttime routine Mm -hmm. to help with sleep. So if you can get into a routine, so it's the the wake time and bedtime and making sure you stick to those two times consistently throughout the day. So, so throughout every day. So it's not about having a, a bedtime and a wake time just from Monday to Friday. And then you have your weekend. It's really trying to get into that routine of having that constantly so that your body can get into that routine and know okay, well, I'm going to bed at 10 o'clock, I'm waking up at six and I know that that's what's happening. So it can really start regulating and get into that rhythm. And then if you can do that, that is really going to help that the way that you wake up and the way that you feel. Getting a hit of um, sunlight first thing in the morning can start stimulate your cortisol levels, can really help get the system going so that we've got our circadian rhythm, our 24-hour body clock, so that our body can regulate. So in that circadian rhythm, it's where our hormones are processing through what they need to process in that clock. And if we can set that time in the morning with the sunlight, bit of fresh air in the morning, then it's a great way to start the day so that you are feeling more refreshed. And then if you can set those start and wait times, that can really help. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of people, I think more so, I suppose, in the city wouldn't be doing that really because often you're getting up really early maybe going straight inside to a gym or something like that if you're going to the gym or even just going straight from home to the office quite early um, particularly in winter and then often home again when it's dark so it is it is tricky but it is one of those things that even if you can open the blinds Mm -hmm. just take it only and I, I think that the thing about sleep and getting good sleep is that often it can be simple and free Mm-hmm. And I think that if we can just understand a few tips that work individually for us, then, you know, being able just to step outside or even if you can't step outside, just opening the curtains and the blinds when you wake up and trying to get that natural sunlight coming through in the morning. And if you can, just open the windows. If you can't step outside, open the windows, get a bit of fresh air, have a big glass of water, rehydrate. Right. You know, if we are mouth breathing or even just generally throughout the night, we are, you know, losing a lot of our hydration. So getting that hydration level set as well can really help just set that day. And it's these are all simple and free things to do. 
Yeah, definitely. Is there anything else you recommend adding in or looking at adding into a nighttime routine? Yes, I'd love to talk about nighttime routine because this is the part that I think is, you know, it's sort of the fun part, I think, if you want to think about it in a fun way, because it's that time for you to reflect. It's that real wind down time that you really want. And if you can create that and it's something to look forward to. So having a bedroom environment that feels really relaxing and inviting, you know, making sure it's very decluttered. We don't really want a lot in the bedroom. Ideally, your bed and your bedside tables is enough. And, you know, making sure that you've got the right light light in terms of you've got block out curtains or blinds so that you're not distracted by that night, that street light that might be outside your window. And if you can't do that, then investing in a sleep mask is a great place to start for that. Making sure that the temperature in the room is a, is adequate. So 22 degrees is uh, probably a bit too high. You really want to be looking around that 19 degree mark. So you want it to be a bit cooler. Generally, most people run their air conditions at 22. So looking at is the room cool enough and dark enough? And then is it inviting? Do you make your bed in the morning and, and is it ready to go for you um, when you're climbing into it? And as you were saying, for the light, you know, having a candle um, would be a beautiful place um, to have a candle at nighttime. Just make sure you blow it out. And, and if not, a diffuser is also a beautiful thing to have, an essential oil diffuser in your room because generally they have a really nice soft night light that's there. Um, doing some reading, doing some gratitude journaling, um, listening to some some soft, calming medita- meditative music is also a good thing to do. You know, so just understanding what makes you feel good and just incorporating two or three steps. So often people like to have a shower. I, I find that having that shower, not only it helps because it helps with the body temperature drop, but it helps just kind of wash away the day. So that's like the day is being washed away and I'm going to get ready for bed, you know. So finding those things that make you feel good and that you look forward to doing. Yep. Yep. Definitely. I love all of those things. And they're definitely, if I have clients that are struggling with sleep and aren't doing those things, that's usually I just start with the light thing and kind of add on from there. And I personally, I mean, from a nutritional perspective, I always love using magnesium as well um, for people because I find that is something really helpful. And I think people really often feel the difference. Like it is one of those supplements Mm. that people can actually tell when they're taking it. Yeah, and or when they're not taking it, or when you know, they're not. they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. notice. Yeah, and 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 as you know, like there's so many different forms of magnesium that you can of use as well. You know, so that's such a great option. Yeah, you can put it in the bath. You can even do that if you have kids. Put like the magnesium flakes yeah. in the bath. Things like that are definitely a great thing to try. So I'd love to switch gears a little bit. Obviously, we've talked about those really tangible things that you can look at if you're having trouble with sleep, but I would like to switch gears a bit and talk about how that impacts stress and anxiety if you're not sleeping well and sort of, yeah, I guess how to identify that that might be part of the cause for you. Yeah. I think when it comes to sleep and insomnia, stress, anxiety, that it's this vicious cycle. So it's the chicken and egg, what what comes first um, and really trying it. Only you can really, I guess, dig deep and understand what comes first for you personally because there might be a defining moment where that happened and you can pinpoint um, something that, that, that changed or you might just be living in this very underlying feeling of stress and then that's 
exacerbating the sleep problem. So I think that it's really important, again, to go and seek some advice. If you if you are not sure what is going on, then you might need to unpack that a little bit further and go and talk to somebody about how you are feeling. And, and you know, there's some tests that you can run um, depending on how, the, how stress and anxiety is impacting you and trying just to manage those levels. It's, it's, it's like we, we talked about before is that if you can create these beautiful um, routines during the morning where you're setting yourself up for a great day and then taking those moments throughout the day to make sure that you are having just little breaks. You know, I talk all the time about um, how can you take a break even if it's for two minutes, that can just shift that your nervous system so that you're moving out of that stressful state to just breathe, take a take a deep breath. You know, again, these are all free things that you can do. I am absolutely a massive believer in, I keep talking about fresh air, but nature. And I think that if you can, and really most people can, it's just taking that time to step outside the door and even if it's just outside your office door and taking three big deep breaths, then they're the things that can, you know, really help um, throughout the day. Because as you 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 know, you know, we want to make sure that um, we're maintaining cortisol levels. We're you know helping our nervous system throughout the day because that builds up and can impact us for sleep. And then vice versa, if we're not getting this adequate sleep because we're feeling really stressed and anxious and we can't go to sleep or we're waking up, we're not being able to get back to sleep, then that's this vicious cycle that we can get into. So I think coming back to what we originally spoke about, which is identifying that sleep is really important in your overall health, prioritizing it just like you would do if you wanted to, you know, maybe you're on a a health kick and you, you decided that you were going to do a cleanse and you wanted to lose five kilos and, you know, run a triathlon or you know join do a triathlon or something you would make some pretty critical steps in doing those things which is maybe joining a gym signing up a personal trainer buying new equipment and committing to it and I think that sleep really is the same type of mm. thing here is that we really need to go and get some advice from somebody um, a health practitioner commit to making these changes and then going about doing them repetitively yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I, obviously I'm a nutritionist, so I don't know if I should say this, but I always say to my clients, sleep and stress are more important than what you're eating because yeah. honestly, you can eat all the right things, like be ticking all the boxes, be eating the most high quality, you know, whatever foods. But if you're not sleeping, you're not going to create that health that you want or that goal that you're trying to achieve because so much important stuff happens while you're asleep. And I think, I don't know if you agree with this, but personally, I think that our modern lifestyles, as amazing as they're you know, certain aspects of them are, we're just living so different to how our physiology was sort of designed for. And, and that those primitive responses within us are still there. Even something as simple as like you mentioned before, having regular sleep times, like not having a Monday to Friday sleep time and then a weekend sleep time, which I know will be really difficult for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. um, but so even something as simple as that, like we are just our body, I think, struggles when we're we're basically like a fish out of water, I think, in terms of a lot of the the things that we're exposed to day to day, including blue light, the different sleep times, the alcohol, the caffeine, the food, stimulants. all of that, the stimulants, yeah. all of that. And so I think overall, like a big part of even what you're talking about is like finding simple ways to bring elements of 
that back into your day, like getting the sunlight, even if it's just for a few moments or trying to create that regular sleep time, dimming the lights, all those things are simple, as you said, and and mostly free. But I think on that broad spectrum, it's really about trying to bring more of our like natural habitat back into a modern lifestyle. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, taking the time, something you just said then before about it will be really difficult for a lot of people that who might have a week week bedtime and a weekend bedtime. If that is you, then you probably really need to take more notice of this than anybody because um, what what it's probably saying is that you're using the weekend to catch up and recover. Um, so then there's something out of balance with with what is happening during the week. So you need to be making those changes to what's happening probably during the week so that you don't need that time to recover necessarily and that you feel great about getting up at 6 a.m. and exercising rather than needing that extra two hours to kind of catch up. And I'm not saying don't ever sleep in. Uh, like that is an absolute luxury. I get it. But not for the normal part of yeah. what we're doing. And I think that on the weekends, it's uh, particularly if you do live in built up area and you're living in an apartment and you might not be on the ground floor and, you know, is finding that time to spend some time outside in a park. Go- I know it sounds a bit daggy, but going for a bushwalk and really immersing and spending time in nature because the more that we can connect to nature, it is an instant relief for our mm. stress levels. It's amazing how much better you feel even just walking outside that door and getting that beautiful fresh air you know and these are simple and free yeah absolutely anything else that we haven't touched on I don't think so I really my really big thing is light so really if everybody can take on board the light comment and understand that relationship with the sleep hormone melatonin a lot of people know about the word melatonin but don't really know what it they just know it's related to sleep so I think that if you know that that is the, the sleep hormone that makes you feel sleepy and so light is the inhibitor of that being able to make, you know, to make you feel sleepy, then just how does that role, how does that play a role in your bedtime routine? Mm-hmm. If you can make that adjustment, um, it'd be amazing to see how you feel um, yeah. after and what falls into place. I just have one question on that as well. Is there, say with melatonin, like a point at which it, naturally say like after 10 p.m. that it naturally sort of you've missed like your window do you know what I mean of like is that a thing (laughs) you you can there's some people talk about the sleep train so Mm. you're on the sleep train and it's because we're cycling through uh we start to cycle through these stages on this 40 minute to hour kind of um cycle so it it is sometimes a case of when people say I just don't feel tired because they're Mm. overstimulated and they've probably been watching a screen for too long. So you need to then probably go and take yourself somewhere out of your bed if you're having trouble falling asleep within this stage and then take yourself, go and sit down on the couch, maybe in a really dimly lit environment with no stimulant, no phone, that's got to stay away and just even try some breathing. So box breathing technique is an awesome technique that you can Google and try doing that, either that, the counting of the sheep. So just sitting up for for that moment and and waiting for that Mm -hmm. melatonin release again and then taking yourself back to bed. Yeah. Okay. So not trying to stay in bed and just, and just stress it. yeah because because yeah. then that's really when you really start to stress and then that's just not going to help yeah yeah and then last question is there an optimal amount of hours we should be trying to aim for each night 
it's very dependent. You know, there's so much about this and I like to go with seven to nine hours because I think that that's really dependent on you as a person. And I think it's really important for you to work out how many hours sleep you need. I know how many I need and um, working that out is is going to, can also be an, an absolute game changer. We work quite closely um, with Michael Bruce, who's the sleep doctor. He's very big in the US. Um, I have done quite a few podcasts with him and um, he has a book. Um, so he he came up with the chronotype kind of the wolf bear technology. I mean, chronotypes have been around for a million years, but he's categorized that into um, sleep. So you can take his sleep quiz and work out what chronotype you are, a bear, a wolf, a dolphin. Uh, what's the other one? There's one more. And then that might help you also understand a bit more about how many hours you need. So it's whether you're a morning person, a night person. And if you can take that quiz and identify, that's a good starting point to help you understand what you need for you. Perfect. Amazing. Thank you for answering that question. I'm always curious. I always say seven to nine as well, but I think that's just because that's sort of where the majority of people seem to feel the best. Yeah, absolutely. And as we age, it, it, it can vary. And, you know, for, for a lot of people who get older, you know, in that sort of 70, 80 plus bracket, they struggle enormously with sleep and they still do need a lot of sleep, but they they probably also benefit from napping because if they're not getting it, they, they the full seven to nine hours, they need to get it later at some point so that so napping can be good napping's a whole nother conversation but yeah, i was gonna say i didn't we didn't even I touch do, on that i do believe that. i'm a believer in napping because it works for me but you've just got to be careful that again you limit that like 20 to 40 minutes is is really the the amount of time you want to limit it to rather than an hour or two hours yes yeah i've never been a napper but i'm pregnant at the moment and i've honestly uh, wanted to nap so much yeah, um, I think, yeah, as I get further in, I'll definitely be embracing the daytime and a nap. <laughs> Do it. And even if it's not a nap, it's all of this, as I mentioned before, about taking a break. Yeah. So even if you can just sit down somewhere in a, in a spot and put your legs up or just sit and breathe for 10 minutes, yeah. that can be just as good. Yeah, I did that yesterday. I was very tired. I had a big day of clients and in between I had a short break. So I went and lay down on the bed with my dog and just lay there for yeah, five minutes. It's perfect. Imagine if we could do that. I, I would love to do that every day. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. I wish everyone could as well. It's been amazing chatting with you, Shay. And this is really the first time we've spoken about sleep on the show. So I'm sure the listeners will get so much information on it. And definitely, as you said, the key thing to take away was the light side yeah. of things. I just like to give you, I guess, the opportunity to add anything else you wanted to the conversation and also direct the listeners to where they can um, get in touch with you and find out more. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been excellent talking to you. Um, and the, I think we've covered everything off as well. I don't want anybody, you, you don't want to start to have these conversations and then for it to be feeling too overwhelming with information. And so I think if you can take that one point out around the light, you can head on over to the Good Night Co. Uh, I also have a podcast called The Good Night Show. And we do have an amazing product that I would like to mention, which are our deep sleep drops. Um, they are our best-selling product. It is, they have absolutely changed people's lives. We get those comments all the time. And they're homeopathic, so they're a natural sleep remedy. And if you are struggling and you, you want to add that little extra element into your routine, then that would also be a great place to start. Amazing. I'll pop all of those links in the show notes. Great. Thank you so much, Celine. Thanks so much for your time. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Holistic Health Chats. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a rating and review in iTunes, as this allows me to help more women just like you. Holistic Health Chats is not intended to replace medical advice, so please consult with your practitioner before making any changes to your current health. If you are ready to take your health to the next level and would like some personalized support, the next step is booking in for a complimentary health chat. Please head to selendouglas.com forward slash book for more information.